Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I'm your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't you dare lose us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcast for absolutely free. Podcast week is back. UDPod is back. We're deep into it now. We've got some in the can. We're uh, recording this on Sunday the 15th, and I'm so happy to be back because we're going to be talking about something that I ardently avoided last year, and that's Georgia <laughs> football. The voice you hear on the other end is the homie, the friend of the pod, Michael Felder. How you doing, sir? Man, I am doing fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. You are the first guest on Tape Don't Lie, the podcast. Got a great debut, a lot of great feedback. I'm sure you've seen it in Twitter as well. People really enjoy, like, they're like, oh, Michael Felder does like stuff. It's just not stuff that I have ever thought about. It, and, it's, and it's funny because Susan was surprised that, I mean, she's like, you're really excited about this. I'm like, yeah. She's like, but you've been kind of off sports for a while. I'm like, it's different because it's not everything else. It's just sports. It's, it's literally just, just football. Just football. If you guys are want to be a smarter, better, more complete football fan, please subscribe. Tape the Live podcast. I was on episode one, but you shouldn't listen for me. Listen for everyone else. I'll be back, I think, after Clemson, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clemson, Georgia. I don't know if we're going to – we should do it. I don't. I, I think we're going to do it after. Yeah, Let's. but you're back after Clemson, Georgia. All right, and that's going to Because we're going to um, talk about what we see or what we yeah, saw. And I get to – what uh what and, and I can give you you can watch me get angry about football teams I care about, which is something that doesn't happen often on but it's fantastic. Um but yes, we're back. Thanks for coming on. And then we're gonna catch up with Georgia football because I didn't watch college football last year. I felt like just whatever, for reasons upon reasons, I was out on college football last year. It felt gross. It, okay, so I didn't want to get mired in it, but yeah, it felt I mean, how do you gross. how do you think I felt? Like I have to work it, but I did feel gross and I tried to make sure that people understood that I think that Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And it's when you see the kids who who had to walk away from the sport or entire teams who played like four games, like, was any of it worth it? And, of course, the people counting the money will tell you it's worth it. And without me going on my NIL rant. um, That's not paying the players. You're just going to feed the rants, aren't you? I mean, I'm just – I mean, (laughs) that's just – like, this just lets the players get money that they should have been getting. That's very different from paying them. And everyone who's making that false equivalency is doing the NCAA's work for them. What they want you to do is pay attention to the new shiny thing because mm-hmm. that those billion-dollar TV rights deals, the reason Texas and Oklahoma are joining the SEC is not because of competitive balance. It's no. not because to expose more people to the SEC. It's the dollars. Yes. It's the money. Yeah. It's, That's it's not going to the kids. It's, it's Walt Disney, baby. <laughs> Am I wrong? Oh, man. I'm not it's, wrong. No, you're not wrong. It's what? So, okay, we're, I promise we we're talking about Georgia, but I, I haven't talked yeah. to Felder about the outside of college football in a while. What, what's the end game? With what? NIL or with, 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 with Oklahoma, with Texas? It's realignment nonsense and everyone trying to consolidate power and money. Is it, is it, go ahead. A couple things. One, I feel like they're doing a crime against me personally. <laughs> because I hate this stuff. The anti-Felder plan. But I do think that if, if I'm going to say what the end game is, I think it's the consolidation of power. Um, too many people don't think about this when they think about college football. Like, everybody wants college football, like, they want it to be what they want it to be. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they want it to be this egalitarian state, or they want it to be this, the hope, like, like the the incredible drunken possibility of hope is what people live on in college football. But the reality is, and I did this with Nicole Auerbach on a show that I do for um, the athletic. Um, Realistically, how many programs are better now than when you were a kid? That's a great point. How many, how like realistically, Oregon's better. Oregon's better. Let's go East. Oregon's better. Boise State, UCF, and SC's worse. UCLA's worse. Boise State better. I guess it's a program. I love the way that you work the exact same way that I do. You work from (laughs) across the country. That's not the way a lot of people think about it because you didn't even get to Michigan or Texas. Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma State. Florida State. Miami. I would say 
Georgia, where does Georgia fit in that? Georgia's better. Stop that. Stop that. So, how much better gonna, are they than when you were a kid? Than when I was a kid? Oh, than when Jim Donovan was coaching them? Yeah, they're better. Okay. They're better. I'm. A, I. I listen. I'm. Asking. When I was when I was a, when I was a kid, my Georgia fandom was defined by going to two games a year. I owns my buddy at season tickets and Quincy Carter. My, no, stop that. DJ Shockley. Shock the world. Never. And 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 nine eleven happens and it becomes the David Green show. I was gonna say David Green next. David Pollock. <laughs> like I can do this. Yes. Like. Yeah. But like, I think Thomas Georgia David. is. I think Georgia is. No in Sean a better Marino. perennial position. Now. I don't, Are they? Because everyone else has gotten worse. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Because think about Tennessee. I haven't. Why would I? You don't have to. <laughs> not a factor. And that's, but that's the point, right? Yeah. Tennessee is not, Tennessee's nowhere near as good as they were when we were growing up. When we were growing up, I mean, obviously Peyton Manning and then T. Martin. And then, I mean, the last time Tennessee went to the SEC championship game was what, 2007? Yeah. That's, I mean, so basically you say all this to say, Everybody keeps thinking that college football has this eternal hope, but the reality of college football is you're far more likely to completely careen your car off a cliff well, than you are to catch lightning in a bottle and be good. Well, and that's, that's drive, interesting that you put it that way. Because yeah. for me, mm-hmm. that happened, but it's coupled with the fact that we stopped being a regional sport and started being a national. Winning the SEC oh, yeah. used to matter. Used to mean something. And now so did, you don't win the, the title, it's your season was a loss, a waste. And now right. that you've got the binary way of thinking about the sport nationally, you're right. It's adding to this all or nothing proposition where you get situations like Baylor, yeah. where horrific injustices are not just occur, occurred, but perpetuated and codified by the institution because football became so important and so profitable. Right. And people need to go to jail. I don't give a... I don't give a fuck about losing scholarships. Nope. People need to go to jail. Yep. Put them in jail, like behind bars. Put them in jail with the people that they look down on forever. Honestly, like, am I am I right? Am I wrong? No, I no. This is not any sort of doubt on my end. Put them I in jail more. I think that's the big. That's to me, and and I know this was like a, and this was early in you and I's relationship, but when we at, with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, we got to shut, give them the death penalty. And I was like, you making this about the football program is why the football program was able to perpetrate these, um, these atrocious crimes. Right. I, and so go, Dayton, people can look it up. When I was writing at Bleacher Report, I said, no, we need to use the Cleary Act and we need to put people in jail. People need to go to jail. To <laughs> take away accreditation, yada, yada, yada. And guess what? A bunch of those guys ended up in jail. And yeah. did Sandusky, he's dead, right? He died in jail. I think he's alive. Is he alive? In my head, right. he's alive. Hold on. Let me, this is, this is good audio. I want to Google it live on the air. No, um, he di- oh, he's alive. Yeah, James is alive, man. He's going to, he's going to die in jail. He's going to die in jail, but he's alive he right now. He's going to die in jail. As well he should. And that's the thing that for me. I don't think people realize this. Like Ian McCall should be in jail. Art Briles should probably be in jail. Or Art not Briles. Jail. Art Briles should be in jail. Ian McCall should be in jail. Those guys should be in jail. What's his name that was um tried to impeach Bill Clinton? He should be in jail too. And I can't remember. Ken Starr. Ken Starr. Ken Starr should be in jail. And that's the part that we need to take up because we need to stand up not just for women but for what's right in general. Exactly. And so that's a I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but no, to fine. go back to to go back to your point, when college football became a, re, a, 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 a it's college football is trying to do the NFL with mm-hmm. imagine if the NFL was four times as big. And we and, didn't pay the players. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and they weren't the best players. Also very true. They weren't the best players. They, imagine if the NFL was four times as big without the best players and just sometimes they just had guys who gave their friend a job coaching. That's what college football is. See, and you say that, but also Brian Schottenheimer's uh, the OC for Jacksonville Jaguars. So in some ways, 
Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, shout out to – everyone's getting this whole Tim Tebow block thing wrong, too, by the way. Uh-oh. Because – did he do a bad job? Absolutely. But people are like, well, he just he his guy didn't make the tackle. I was like, his guy's never supposed to make the tackle. It's a fucking wrong arm. Yeah. He's supposed to spill it wide. The problem is the safety doesn't close down the gap to make that tackle at the line of scrimmage. But again, people don't know enough about football to realize that. Uh, they'd rather laugh at Tim Tebow spinning. What he should have done is realize that that guy's already taken himself out of the play and then go come and go help out, right? Am I wrong? You are right. You're he should have been like, okay, this guy can't hurt us. Let's go get another guy. And then we could score Find the next block. Him. Find the next block. Look for extra work. man offense. Look for work. Yeah. But, um, again, to go back to the regional thing, I just think that it's a sport that is so remarkably regional. I think nowhere is that more specific than in the um, Pac-12, hmm. where they they feel so isolated, right? It's like an island. Yeah. They feel so isolated and they really speak to like they don't care about the SEC. No. And the problem is there's this national infatuation. And I don't know. Maybe it's like the college football industrial complex is probably the best way to put it. Where Ohio State has become tied to the SEC because they're one of the few teams that has the ability to beat teams from the SEC. And then you tie in the ACC is geographically tied to the SEC. So those three conferences kind of get lumped in together and Oklahoma's success has dragged the big 12 with them. Right. So now you have these four kind of, and not working, working together is not the right words because at the end of the day, they are all working against each other, but you say, you say against, but everyone gets paid for playoff spots. That's what I was. Well, that's what I was going to say next is, they're working against each other, but the reality is, for them, the real enemy is everyone else. Oh, Felder. You ready for my, my, my catchphrase? Yes. Everything is wrestling. Heels and faces beat each other up on stage. They all count their money together at the end of the night. Yeah. Who works off the same gate? What's the, what's the, what's the work? Kayfabe? Kayfabe. Okay, come on, baby. I can do well, a little talk, bit of this. Let's talk some kayfabe about Georgia football then. Let's talk a little kayfabe. Yeah, let's th- well, I got one more thing. I got one more thing. The reality of it is what we're going to see out of this next round of realignment. So what do we have right now? We have 65, 66 teams currently, right? Yes, yes. We're going to see that number drop down into the 50s. Yes. And they're going to kick people out and they're going to push people out. And it looks like the Big 12 are going to be the massive victims of this. Nobody wants Baylor. Nobody wants Kansas, even though Kansas has one of the most storied basketball programs of all time. Nobody wants them. Nobody wants Kansas State. Nope. Iowa State's going to be in a precarious position, wondering wondering if their state legislature can force them, in, them into the Big 12. Nobody wants West Virginia. Nobody wants any of these schools because they don't bring any money. So if you don't want them, so we have already identified five schools. You can kick five schools out. Now we're down to 60. 60 teams sharing the big money because they're not going to bring in UCF or USF or I think, I think they'll Kansas because of cable rights. Because if you because you need to have you'll get that state you get all those states because you um, need to be in Kansas City slash Missouri. Yeah, you need to be somewhere. You need to. It's not going to be K State. I think they'll keep Kansas because of the basketball. Sure. Advantage. Right. That's that. And you know what? That might be a thing that UCLA plays for. Right. To be the to be the California representative in this, because that's a that's yeah. a money maker. If you're if we if the SEC expands to say that's one of the reasons why the Oklahoma pickup is bigger than Texas. We are yes. oh, SEC already has Texas numbers. They now they got Oklahoma mm-hmm. numbers. If you added California numbers to an existing platform, that's where real money lies, and that's what's so gross. Because now you can't talk about college football without talking about these numbers. Right, and then knowing that none of that money actually goes into the players' hands. At not a second of it. And and the fact that people are touting the NIL as a big victory for players. It is a big victory. I know. But you but know what it's I'm not it's a, but it's a different it's not, the, it's not the sport doing the winning. It's literally people saying, Okay, we're not gonna punish you for the thing you should have been able to do already. Right. And that's the problem. And that's the part I hope that people listening to this get because there's a massive difference from between oh, we're gonna pay everybody. And 
oh, we're not going to punish you for taking the money that's already been being offered to you. Right. By third parties. All right, let's talk Georgia, man. I'm ready. All right, so last year I went through the numbers, eight and two overall, mm-hmm. weird season because of the, the all, obviously the global pandemic. Mm-hmm. They, uh, oh, yeah. Seven and two in the league. We're now in our sixth year. Is this six years of Kirby? Good God. Yeah. We're now oh, in the wow. sixth year or 56th year of Kirby. It's been a long time. Not much has changed. Um, was this team good last year? No. I love you. I mean, well, here's the thing. They were better than most teams in the country. Okay. Were they as good as they should have been? Absolutely not. Okay. And I think that is the big thing we have to square when we talk about Georgia football, right? It's not an issue of being good or not good. The issue is, are they as good as they should be? That's been the issue since I was 12. Yes. Yeah, that's why you, that's why that's why when I mentioned Quincy Carter, you were like, "Come on, don't do this." I, look, if I'm in high school and I know about Quincy Carter and his um attempts to sniff the goal line, then maybe <laughs> it's not that big of a secret that happens. I'm not yeah. a detective. I shouldn't have known that. But um, no, they weren't as good as they should be. And I, to me, like, here's a couple things I pulled up. Okay. How many legit good passing games did they have? I think I was looking it's over. There was nothing because and this is a problem that's existed for years is yep. the inability or in in disinclination even. Unwillingness, yeah. To as you and I have always said, service some of the talent you bring in. Mm-hmm. The talent can run these deep routes and get open deep routes. We should throw those deep routes. Mm-hmm. But this is a Georgia offense that and I I, I feel like a broken record because I remember saying it to you last time. Mm-hmm. But if this was 2009, Kirby straight. He'd be happy as hell. Mm-hmm. But that was 12 years ago. Exactly. And this game has changed. And the question I think on every fan's lips is, will they lose JT Daniels enough to make a difference? That's the key. Um, he threw for 400 yards twice. And there's no in-between. None. Uh, I'll call the in-between the Mizzou game where he threw for 299. But the reality of it is two big games pushing the ball vertically. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is like, obviously, it was what, Stetson Bennett? Yes, yes, Stetson Bennett was the name. We saw some Dewan Mathis. But it's about the want to to push the ball down the field. And obviously, they ran for over 300 yards a couple times. Uh, in there, uh, it was South Carolina and Mizzou, so like, okay, but <laughs> the yards still count. Yeah, but I mean, those teams they sucked last year. They right? do suck. They, they sucked last year. Yes, they weren't good. But you look, I like the key for me. So let's let's circle the games that matter. Okay. Instead of talking about all these game, like you know, who cares? I don't give it. I don't care about South Carolina or Arkansas or or, or, or Mizzou or Kentucky even. You beat Kentucky 14 to 3, and that's probably Kirby Smart's favorite game of the season. They only had to run 57 plays. That probably got his dick hard as hell. <laughs> I mean, but, we, I, I argue with you, you're not wrong. This is this is the Kirby Smart blueprint for success. Right. And I listen, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and talk trash about it because that's the way that I want football to be played too. I love that. It's just not anymore. It just isn't. That's not the reality. And so let's circle the games that matter. We, in the in the games that matter, Alabama and Florida. That's Those the are the two. two games that matter, right? Yeah. And in the Alabama game, you lose by 17. Alabama is a team that can stop the run, and they also challenge you to pass the ball, to take chances down the field. You don't take chances down the field. You do end up with over 400 yards on Alabama, and it sounds good. But then you realize you're never getting yourself in scoring position because as they right. tighten up when you get to the to the red zone, now you have a problem. That Nick Saban suffocation that, that's just been yes. famous. That boa constrictor game. Yep. And now let's look at Florida. Uh-oh. They could have – I mean, Florida probably should have scored 55 points. Another touchdown and at least a field goal. 
and they had some drops and they had a couple of uh, penalties that didn't let them score. I think, that. You're, I think you're enjoying this part of the podcast too much. I'm not enjoying it. I'm just here's I'll be honest. Here's the thing that makes me mad. I don't like when players are underserved. Hmm. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? I do. Like, I don't like when guys who because let me put it this way. I, I'm going to ask you two questions. OK. All right. Eight games, George Pickens, 36 catches. Why doesn't he have 55 catches? The answer is, I mean, we go back to, and it's it's sad, and it sounds reductive when we say this. Sure. I need people to listen. What we're, When you have a mentality of a football team, it's going to color everything else you do. Everything you do. Right. And that's what, I, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. When I don't like guys to be underserved because he should be getting the ball Every drive Georgia has, he should have gotten the ball twice, at least. At least. Which adds up to way more catches than 36. The other part of it, and I love Karis Jackson. I think he's really good, too. I think 36 catches and then a bunch of touches in the run game is a really good number for him in a, in a 10-game. No, he probably should have had 40 or 50 in a 10-game year. Um, the other one is James Cook. And I, yeah, I, it truly feels like James Cook is a player that they don't like. So that happens, right? Like that happens with this staff. Yes. Where you're like, exactly. wait a second, why isn't that player on the field anymore? <laughs> or why are they just gone? It just it makes this, and I think this goes back to a larger problem of college football, but it's very particular at Georgia for the last seven or eight years, bringing in talent and then not knowing what to do with it. Not know, not it's a issue. It's I think there's a combination of not knowing what to do with it. I will say this as someone that's been around James Cook, yeah. Is he a bit of a card? Absolutely. I'll never forget James Cook. Um, he was playing running back, and then he went and lined up at wide receiver, and he was like, I'm about to roast you. And on the snap of the ball, he said, bye, nigga. It was gone and wide open. And I think Trevor Lawrence is the one who threw the pass. But, hmm. like, somebody just threw it to him and was like, I feel like no one can stop him. And, and Georgia like, yeah. can't find a way to get him the football. Can't find a way to use him. And then the second part of the question that I wanted to ask you. Oh, no. Eric Gilbert. And, right, and we have a problem now because Eric Gilbert is not currently with the football team at Georgia right now. If you, I don't know if you knew that. Do we, do we know what's going on there? Personal reasons is all I've seen. That's all, that's, that's all we get for now. It's fine. But let's say he's – let's say we don't even have to deal with this issue. Let's say he is with the team. He caught 35 balls a year ago as a true freshman do you think he's going to catch did – did you think he was going to catch 35 balls at Georgia this upcoming season? No, no. <laughs> no, no, we don't, we, don't, we don't play in the year 2021. And I don't want to sound defeatist going into this because there's I'm a excited. lot of on this Georgia team. They're that, I like the line. I'm saying They're that good. before I've seen them play together. I like what I think I'm seeing from the line. Ask me after Clemson. Um, I mean, it's – you lose even losing um even losing what was it Ben Cleveland and mm -hmm. what's his name the other kid you you still have Jamari Sawyer right that kid he remind, he's like Raphael out there on the football field this is one thing I've liked the last couple seasons from Kirby and them is that yes the running back stores have stayed great the line is Clay Webb consistent yeah Sagan? you got, you got Clay Webb Clay Webb is awesome. The line has stayed a consistent bright spot under this regime. Something that I could not always say under Rick, and I will – that's it's 100% yes. true. The, the line play has gotten consistently better under Kirby yeah. Smart. They're really good. Even even losing Sam Pittman to Arkansas, they've, they were consistent again. They had to figure out who they were and mm -hmm. find the right places to put guys in, and that took them, what, two, three weeks? Yeah. And also, it helps when you have a quarterback that has a clue. So, but the reality of it is, is like, I like Jermaine Burton. I like Karis Jackson. If they have Eric Gilbert, that's awesome. And I mean, we'll see if George, like can George Pickens make an, an Amari Rogers type comeback and play this year? That's the question of the year, man. It's, 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 and I hate that it's a lot of this, the way I feel about the season is hinging on one kid's knee. Yeah. But it is. He's a he's a he is a Elite. talent that we normally squander at Georgia. He's age yeah. green. Yeah. He's amazing. 
and him being healthy is very important. So we'll see what we get. Like, we'll see when he's healthy. Or, you know what? Maybe he makes the smart choice, which is like, I am healthy. I'm not doing this. <laughs> so offensively, oh, I feel good about the line. You guys have Darnell Washington, too. How many the catches question, did Darnell Washington have last year? The biggest question so far off is seven? Every year oh. it's going to be the line. Or excuse me, the quarterback. Oh. From the second we decided to let Justin Fields leave, which I'll never get over. It, they made him leave. I know. But that, but they didn't have to make him leave is what I'm saying. Like they, they made a decision that forced him to leave. They could have yes. made another decision that would have allowed him to stay. Mm-hmm. Putting him in the game? I'll never accept it. Um, there's not an answer that you can come up with that makes it okay. No, the only answer is I felt safe with with from. That's the only answer. Like like that's the real that's the answer to the situation is I felt safe with from, which but goes see, back the, to yeah, Kirby Smart. The bigger problems, but that's my bigger issue with Kirby Smart as an offensive coach in the slightest is we lost the two top. You can tell me who got drafted where. The two best quarterbacks in college last year were both from the state of Georgia, and neither played for Georgia. Yeah. That's a problem. And if we can't say with JT Daniels, where there's an obvious talent, coming off the injury, we all understand that. Mm-hmm. There's an obvious talent. If we can't service him and service these receivers, why would a quarterback or receiver ever come here? I think they come here because you're going to, no matter what, you're going to finish in the top 10. And that feels like you're close. And I think that's the biggest. Um, <laughs> it's true. I think that's the that's the the sickest, and we talked about this for a little bit at the top of the show, right? But that's the sickest drug in college football, is feeling like you're close, right? The poison, the poison of hope. Yeah, like Wisconsin and Michigan State, the last decade, not now with Michigan State, obviously, but they were in the playoff. Michigan State got to the college football playoff. What? Huh? And. They got drunk on that, and they yeah. thought they were they thought they were like close to being Alabama. No, you aren't close. No, Wisconsin getting to the Big Ten championship game every other year. They're like, hell yeah, dog, we got it. And it's like, hey, and I man, think that's this, what happens to Georgia fans is that their close looks different. They're close Georgia's, is closer. They're exactly, and that's what I was gonna say. Georgia's close is like if Aaron Murray just completed that one pass. Hey, Aaron, what are you doing? Ugh. What? What was that for? You said they're closest closer, and I'm bringing up examples. I, I didn't ask for that. You said it. I didn't. I do didn't it. expect to hear Aaron Murray's name today. That hit me in a, in a bad place. Ooh. All right. You, I'm you said it, not me. But I, I wasn't ready to hear his name. Um, <laughs> let's go other side of the ball. This is a very impressive defense last year. They're running that. Is it a three-four? True. Is it true three-four? Yeah, it's a true three-four. I don't like this. It might like be the most more. truest form. It might be the most true three-four in college football, honestly, at this point. Are you a three-four guy? I grew up on four-three. I'm just I'm stuck in my ways. I'm old man. I grew up playing four-three. Played four-three in college, obviously. I like three-four because I think it gets a little more versatility onto the field. But the reality of it is, I would rather play a four-three because then you can play a four-two-five more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. instead of going into a 3-3-5, and that's the big difference. I also will say this about Georgia. I Like, who gets sacks for them? They lost a uh, young man now playing for the Giants, right? They're leading Aziz Ojolari. Yep, he's with the Giants now. And that's he a wasn't like a huge – he wasn't a huge sack guy. Like, I mean, in theory, yes, eight and a half sacks is a good number. Like, if I got eight and a half sacks or you got eight and a half sacks, we're playing, <laughs> be like, great, fantastic. But, like, you know you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not yeah. like these dudes that are putting up, like, 17 sacks a year. But that goes back to what we talked about. In 2009, this defense is suffocating and squeezing. No problems. And then you flash forward. There are, Most teams don't care if they give up three sacks a game. If they have six chunk chunk yardage plays, then they, they, they win still, you know? Like, if you can – if you have – if you have six plays a game that go for 30 plus yards, then you're you win. You're gonna win. You win. Yeah. That's that's even if you give up the three even if you give up the three sacks, you're still gonna be fine. So I think that's a part of it that people don't look at, like that people don't think about. Like Georgia averaged three sacks a game, but the reality of it is is 
if you're giving up chunk yardage, chunk plays, you're you're in a bad way, and that's the problem. Defensively, there's there's ta- like just like offensively, there's talent. Yes. Jordan Davis Absolutely. is great. Mm-hmm. Jordan Davis is great. I I listen. I love Nicobe D. Right. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, in the back. Yeah, yeah. I know. Don't understand why it took him that long to get in the. It took him a whole year to get into the game. Again, this is a stat that seems to hold a grudge. You know his nickname, right? I told you this. No, I don't. Nick Codeine. I first of all, because he puts you to sleep. I love it. Yeah. Let's get him some nil money right now. Yeah. He. Yes, from Pfizer. (laughs) (laughs) The big checks. No, he um like literally was watching some of his like high school tape and they all started with KO dash Dean. And I was like, Cody, Cody. And Cody. then it's like just clips of him destroying people. Oh my goodness. So you have so what do you have? You have you have Nicobe Dean. I love him. You have Anderson. Um, you have yes, you have Cine, right? Mm-hmm. Adam Anderson's there. Um Channing Tindall's there at the linebacker position as well. Nolan, oh, by the way, what happened? What do what we don't play Nolan Smith or we don't cut him loose to get to the quarterback? That's crazy. Is, is there been a run of Georgia defensive coaching where I haven't left seeing like, oh, that seems crazy. Why wouldn't you do that? Like it's, I feel like from the days of Todd Grantham on, there's always been a massive problem with some of our play calling. And I'm not one to second guess coaches. They know the players better than I do, the team better than I do. But man, you're right. It seems like all of a sudden they find these players to plug in, and you're like, "Were well, you not watching them on the sidelines? Were well, you not watching practice? How yeah. did this kid sneak by? Sneak by? It's not like he slipped in the, on a draft board. He's in your practice." Yeah, I, I think there's a combination of things. I think one, Kirby Smart is—he's old Nick Saban. Yes. And he needs to see you do everything in practice all the way to the way that he wants you to do it. And I think that's obviously we referenced it on offense with James Cook, but on defense, he, he defense is even he's that he cover smart does defense. Right. And he needs to see you do everything his way and the way that he wants it and how it works to get the job done before you get an opportunity to, to strut your stuff. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I do recognize there was a massive transition in Alabama, and not just because they started playing some younger guys, more there was a massive transition transition with them, with Nick Saban realizing how vulnerable his team could become, trying to play that 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 um, bow constrictor defense, and he it realized was, I have to force mistakes. It was the Manziel game. Manziel, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, yeah, every time if you could move the pocket against uh, Saban for years, it was. Good night, Irene. Yes. I mean, literally, and this is, I'm just going to come off the, I'm coming straight off the dome right here with this, but I think about Chad Kelly with Laquan <laughs> Treadwell. I think about um, Steven Garcia with Alshon oh, Jeffrey. Wow. I think about Johnny Manziel with Mike Evans, Deshaun Watson uh, with, was it Nuke or Mike Williams? Like those, like, we're looking at a national championship game with Saban where he was lucky and got a full-blown kick return touchdown from Kenyon Drake. And then he was like, you know what? It's late in the game. I cannot give Deshaun Watson the ball back. I guess we're going to onside kick it. <laughs> and they won the onside kick. And the same thing goes for um, Chad Kelly. Tech Kelly's not the best runner, but he moved around enough to the moved point where they enough. needed a they need, they had a Duran Payne fumble recovery in the end zone, and then I think maybe an Ashawn Robinson or um what's this kid big name big kid big boy plays for Jonathan Allen plays for the uh, Washington football team I think yes. Jonathan Allen they had like a fumble slash interception pickup and that went to that like they needed two touchdowns that did not come from their offense to win a football game. And so Saban changed both the way that he plays offense and the way that he plays defense. And because I think defensive, the defensive part doesn't get the the touting of the offense. It's easy yeah. to see how the offense changed. Yes. It's harder it's and more it takes more yeah. time to see how this defense changed, but it did. It became an attacking downhill. We're going to take things away from you, defense. Like think about it. Like we used to see, 
we, what did we see? Three, four Alabama linebackers, middle linebackers drafted in the first round. They yeah. were just like, and not, I'm not talking pass rushers. Like I'm talking Rolando McClain. Mm-hmm. Come, uh, come run this defense. Yes. Deontay Hightower. Is that his name? Devontae yeah. or Deontay? Hightower. Deontay. Like we saw those guys get picked and we saw them go because CJ Mosley, uh, who went to the Ravens when he got came Absolute out of it. monsters. We saw those guys because they were like, the quarterback of the defense, and they got this stuff set up. And then what have we seen get drafted out of Alabama more now? We've seen a lot more defensive linemen go because mm-hmm. they're just beat. They're like dudes that can – they're these combo guys that can play a five, and they can play a three, and they can get pressure from a, a shade. And that's a completely different player and a completely different usage than Brandon Dederick. <laughs> I think it's wild because you and I grew up on the – on, on what he used to run. That's what you and I are comfortable. Yes. And the world's changed around us. We've had to adjust to it. Yeah. And it's like Kirby Smart is the last caveman. Yes. It's just like I refuse but to that's service the, this talent. But that's the whole thing about kind of the um, the illusion of being close, right? It's like, no, my way is all, we're almost there. Like if I maybe if I didn't call the Justin Fields fake punt or if I – if my guy just covered Devontae Smith a little better. Do you have a list of things you wanted to say to me today? Is this what this is? What are you talking? I'm, I'm bringing yeah. up the exact things that happened to make a point. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, before we move on to the schedule. This is not, I'm not no, doing no, anything don't, negative. Don't, no, just before we move on to the schedule. Will Muschamp's back in Georgia. <laughs> I didn't do anything bad. I Why literally... is Will Muschamp back in Georgia? I don't know, man. What? They're friends? Because they played together, didn't they? His his son's on the staff, too. So it's his son and him. Robert Muschamp. And Robert Muschamp is a quality control defense. Will Muschamp is senior analyst defense. And he's the special teams coordinator, right? It's the most Georgia shit you could ever happen. Oh, these guys. They, but didn't Kirby and Will Muschamp play together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so what did we talk about at the top of the show? Like, exactly. We're, we're friends. <laughs> so you got a job, buddy. I will tell you this. I there's a th- I, one thing I do really love about Will Muschamp is his willingness to not just do stuff that Nick Saban did. Yep. Like the thing he I is, don't like about him is he is the same the same thing. Because sometimes he'll, he'll not do shit just because Saban did it. Right. Like he, but his willingness to take players that are that don't fit into the little like the boxes that Saban has. Right. Which Kirby Smart obviously is brought to Georgia and Jimbo is brought to AM and brought to Florida State. And everyone noticed and no one seems to oh, that's the most Y'all should copy off this dude not and pretend like he's not going to adapt and not going to change. Yeah. So you're chasing his ghost. The whole time. The whole time. As he keeps moving. Y'all y'all going where the puck was. He's skating where the puck is going to be. Exactly. And he but Will Muschamp, Will Muschamp, I don't know, maybe this is arrogance. Maybe this is just being supremely confident. Will Muschamp was willing to take players that didn't fit into that mold. And he was far more willing to do that than most of Saban's sort of, quote unquote, disciples. Hmm. Because he, he like, he took guys that were shorter to play defensive back. And he was like, I'll just, I can just put them in position to win. And so maybe that's there's a hubris there about him and that's his like, defense. That's like coaching hubris, yeah. Yeah, but the reality of it is, to me, I just I do appreciate that about him. Like when he was at Texas, that Texas team, his Texas, when he was at Texas, the good teams that he had, and he had a couple of them, they they didn't all fit into the mold. They weren't chopped out of a box the way that Saban. Gotcha, yeah, are. I hear you. He's yeah. you know, he, he can get a lot of a lot of player, a lot of different players, but I just don't know why he's here. I just I just can't figure that. I saw the hiring. I was like, whatever, man. Because they're friends. I know, but. Uh. Schedule opening weekend, Georgia Clemson in the Dukes Mayo Classic. Which yeah, man, shout out to my guy Miller Yoho. Um, he works for he works for the bowl game, and they're putting on the classic as well. All right. So yeah, I'm excited. Oh, you guys are gonna be on the show together. Where are they playing this? At the Panther Stadium. I had no idea. Huh. Yeah, we got a pro football team there too. I <laughs> very good. <laughs> so this is where I'm going to decide very early on how invested I'm going to get as a Georgia fan. 
All right, so let me let me ask you this before you tell me. Let me like, what do you expect out of this football game? You got a quarterback that you kind of know and love, but you have a staff that you're not sure is going to be able to no, maximize what he does. I'm, still I'm, have I'm very confident no how they're going to perform. I know what this guy's going to give me. So they're just going to hand the ball off to Zeus. Yes. First, hand it first to, quarter, give it to Zeus. First quarter and a half, at least. Okay, just give the I ball just, to Zeus. Mixes the play action third series, but yeah, a lot of a lot of give early just to Kirby can get a feel for the game or whatever. What do you know about Clemson coming into this? Very little. Again, this is my I, I'm dipping the toes in, so I know structurally they've stayed sound. They've still continued to do the thing that I hate, where they increase the pay of the assistants so no one ever leaves. Um, they also, anyway. but they have a bunch of like they lost players. Oh, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I, I was I'm leaning on structure. Before I go into the players plus side, so I know structurally they've got a sound operation, yeah, and they do a good job recruiting and they do a good job in development. And so every year that I'm like, oh, this will be the year they drop off. There was a year they lost what four defensive uh, linemen mm-hmm. and replaced them with four great ones. So I'm not going to write off anyone they left. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, the kid is the kid, but no one's Trevor Lawrence, so it's not going to be that. Sure, Tell but me, you know, folk, people think that people think that DJ Uyangalele might be better. What'd you tell me about Hope earlier? I'll, I'll believe when I see it. I, I'm on the same page. I'll believe when I see it. Okay. Um, now, the reality of it is, is I'm very curious to see what um, the running back position looks like for Clemson. Um, up front, obviously, they got Matt Bockhorst, who's kind of their their old stallion, who's playing the uh, playing guard for them. And then we'll see what they get after replacing Jackson Carmen. Um, wide receiver-wise, we're going to get Justin Ross, a healthy Justin Ross. Oh, and by the way, we didn't even mention Don Blaylock, did we? No. Who also, maybe he's going to be healthy? A lot of talent for I mean, guys that don't seem to do what I want them to do. But that's not their fault. They don't get, they're not allowed to. I'm not blaming them. I'm just stating a fact. You want to talk about talent that I don't know what's going to happen with them is Xavier Thomas for Clemson because there was, when he was a freshman, I talked to one of my buddies who was a scout. Uh, he was, I think at this point he was still a scout with the Pats. I think he's with the Texans now. But he said, honestly, when you like when you reference those four guys that got picked, uh, what did they have? Two first rounders and then four guys picked from their defense. Their entire defensive front got picked for Clemson. Yeah. He's yeah. like, yeah, but the backup kid, uh, he's the best one. Yeah, I remember hearing that too, and he was being terrified. And but then he got COVID, and mm-hmm. now they don't know what's going to happen. And so, that's the real human cost of. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see what happens with him. But they their defensive line should be good between Foster and Tyler Davis and Brian Bressey and um was it KJ Henry and Miles Murphy. They should be good up front. I think that um the honestly, one of the real crimes for college football is Clemson getting all these guys with an extra year. Yeah. <laughs> that part too. <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah. They got like they got like Jamie Skalski and Baylor Spector and Noah Turner back, and it's like it's a bunch of you, you know what you know what those guys, getting those guys back is like it's like um it's like watching the NCAA tournament when you just have a team full of fifth year seniors and they are they the <laughs> fast are they the fastest nope are they the best shooters not at all but you know what they know. They know college football way better than your 19-year-old team knows them. And so they're going to abuse you. And Nolan Turner's a guy that won a national championship for Clemson. They they pulled their starting safety and put Nolan Turner and Jamie Skowski in. And they're like, oh, our starters are acting bad. Like, our starters are acting up. Let's put these guys in. And I think having guys that have that level of leadership, they're going to have some, a level of leadership. And, oh, by the way, Venable's two kids are also back. So... That's so the question scary. the question I have for you is, coming out of the gate, knowing both these teams, knowing how their stats work, is there a chance Georgia comes out with an upset? I mean, how big of an upset would it be? We're talking about what, three playing three five? Point, three and a half point dogs. Yeah, that's not even a real upset. You get three points for playing at home in, in North Carolina, and Charlotte is Clemson. The danger I'm, here is if it's closer, if they win, the Georgia fan in your life will be unreasonable, unreasonable. unreasonable. Yeah. which is fine i 
this is the part, and this is where I get into what I've been doing over the course of my career. Which coach do you trust? This game's if if this because these teams feel evenly matched, right? They really do. A little bit of not as good here for Clemson, a little bit not as good here for for Georgia, but they even they even it up, which is why we have that three and a half point thing because one team is going up eighty five, just you know, two hours or whatever it is, and, and the other team's going up four hours, and the other one team's gonna this is gonna be a I this could be a clearly Clemson home game. Yes. Oh God, yes. And but the reality of it is is which coach is going to take a chance? Well, I know who's not. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you who will. I can tell you who won't. I'll tell you who will be first. Because every time he tries to take a chance, you bring up shit like a fake field goal. Like that wasn't a chance. That was a dumb decision. Those are two- I didn't say I, I didn't say how I saw it. I say how he probably saw it. Right, but taking a chance isn't going for it on fourth down or a fake field goal. Taking a chance. Taking a chance is first down, first and ten from your from your own seventeen and rising fire. Take a shot. And oh, by the way, the added bonus of Darian Kendrick transferring from Clemson to Georgia. Oh. You think they're not gonna eyeball him up and Justin Ross or Joseph Nagata? They're not gonna look at him and be like, oh, we wanna we wanna show him you shouldn't have left, my man. Hmm. Yeah. So look at the yeah. schedule. When I look at the Georgia team, I'm like, between this and the Florida and the Florida game is the Florida game. It's not an unbe- it's not it's not an unbearable slate. No, I think that listen, win or lose in week one, they're still gonna have a chance to make it to not just the SEC championship game, but make it to the playoff. Where things happen. Yeah. Like realistically, the game I'm probably the most excited about is them hosting Arkansas. Really? Yeah. What's what's compelling about that for you? Arkansas is so um, disciplined. Like, I know you didn't watch them this past year, but there's a reason why – like, they should have beat LSU and Auburn, and they got screwed by the referees in both of those football games. Mm -hmm. But they are a disciplined football team. They got Sam Carter there. Sam Carter from TCU. We know TCU, Gary Patterson. We know how disciplined they are. Um. I'm trying to think of their defensive coordinator's name. Who's John the Who's the coach? Pittman? Yeah, Sam Pittman is the coach. Okay, all right, all right. And Barry Odom. Um, Barry Odom was their – I think – is it Barry Odom? Barry Odom is their defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, the former Mizzou head coach. I heard you – I heard – maybe it was you, I forget, but talking about the lack of penalties on this defense last year. Yes. They're really good. Like – Arkansas's defense is so like they because they're they're not a man-based defense they're a zone-based defense which Mm -hmm. is scary because they keep everything in front of them like their most penalized game they had 10 penalties in the first game against Georgia and then 11 against Mizzou and I think that the Georgia game probably sticks in their craw a little bit more of course because they're like oh we could have had that team Right. They the halftime score was like seven to three. And they just couldn't get the job done. But I think that for them, they really cut down their penalties after week one. And I'm just I'm excited to watch I I I like Arkansas. I like the way this team plays. They play a they've got to find explosive plays. They they remind me a little bit of our of Wisconsin, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. As a team that just is like I mean, they're they're built in the image of an offensive lineman. Right. Which is why I'm sure I'm going to love them. Yeah. Do your job. Show up. Do your job. Don't do don't do someone else's job. Just do yours. Just do your job. It's amazing how well that translates to real life, too, from football. (laughs) Yeah. Just do your job. Just do your job. Just do your job. I don't need you to go to the season. Go to the season. I'm circling the Clemson game. I'm circling the Arkansas game now. I'm circling the Florida game. Give me one more game. I need to circle in here. If you say Tech, I'm going to hang up. I'm not going to say Georgia Tech. I'll probably say Auburn, I think. I was afraid of that. Are we in a weird Auburn year? Who knows, <laughs> man? Are we due for a weird Auburn year? <laughs> they, got a, they got a new coach. 
Their oh, quarterback man. is sponsored by Bojangles. You guys are what are you guys playing? Two co two quarterbacks sponsored by Bojangles? I mean DJ Uyunglele and Bo Nix. I didn't know. I knew Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix announced it like the night of. I was like, yep, Bojangles. First no, team no, already no. in place. The the night of, he announced the Milo's limit. That's what it was. This or T T Milo's T. <laughs> yes, that oh, was God. the night of. It was something that he did that was super country the first night. But you're right, it was Milo's sweet tea. Milo's sweet tea. And by the way, shout out to Bojangles. They got a guy from Johnson C Smith on their roster too. Um, in HBCU, so that's what's up, baby. Man, can you? So what? And what is the uh, what's the NIL opportunity that Young Felder missed out on? Time traveling Felder has NIL back in '04. Who's sponsoring you? I mean, I'm doing I'm doing deals for the Players Dance Club. I'm doing deals for Avalon. <laughs> hey, man, do you want to drink with the boys? Come on out. Like that's what it is. You know that. You're what is what? What would you have? What would you have? Um, Cannon's a local bar, the West End <laughs> local bar, Lion's Head Tavern had $20 from noon to 6 p.m. All you can drink beer, all you can eat wings. We would show up the first Saturday after season and just Yo, wreck that place. Oh, yeah, dude. Listen, we, <laughs> I was talking to one of my good friends who, uh, he and I both were like kind of bar backs door guys at, uh, Pantera yeah. Bob's. And he literally was like, do you remember that we would work on like a Saturday night and make, oh, yeah. Three- We'd make $350 each, and then on Sunday, we would show up at 12.15, and then we would spend $350 each. <laughs> well, I always stop working those nights as a net win because not only am I drinking stereotypically for free, I'm also getting paid to do so. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, no, I, 100, I, I absolutely would be doing these local deals. Hopefully, the finish line at the um, – uh, Streets, streets of um, Southview Mall would be would be hooking your boy up with some sneaks. But yeah, we were we'd be doing our thing. By the way, how's your I would sneaker? Have to move on the Upper West Side uh, GameStop. There's a GameStop oh. on the Upper West Side, like 109th Street. Oh, dude, and imagine if you had Twitch then too. What? Earning. Oh, over. Earning. <laughs> um. By the way, Florida. What do you expect out of Florida this year to get back on track? I don't. Emory, Emory might be a problem, dog. My feelings on Florida are colored by a lifetime getting my head kicked in by Florida. Yeah, so, I mean that's yeah. I, where do you think? Me. Go ahead. What, where do you think Florida is from growing up? Your our, our entire lifetime is Florida the same as a program? Are they a little bit worse? Of course, not that bad. Of course, appreciate worse. But Georgia is better, you said. Georgia, I, Georgia, I think Georgia's better. <laughs> I think Georgia. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you got to remember where we're coming from. So my childhood, Florida's playing for national titles. Yeah. And Georgia's hanging out in, in mid-tier bowl games. That's sure. Okay, not mid-tier. Georgia's top, going like eight. Tier. Georgia's going like eight and four when I'm in high school. They they won ten wins a lot under Mark Rick they, and like. Rick, Rick, okay, so but you say my childhood. Rick got there in 01. 01, yeah, in 01, we're what are we fresh sophomores I, in high school? I'm junior in high school. No, I'm I'm talking my childhood. My for my childhood. You're talking kid kid shit. If I'm the the formative years that developed me as a man that make me fear C. Spurrier's voice. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I the got it. I got it. You're talking worful. Yeah. Oh, bro. I'm talking Eric Zier. Oh man. Yeah, the darkest talk, of days. Dog. We're talking. We're talking Jesse Palmer, baby. I've seen some shit. We're talking Nick Shirelli. <laughs> By the way, Nick Shirelli. Nick Shirelli was he didn't play quarterback. He was a special teamer for them. He was like it was like it was like him and Chris Doring. And Nick Shirelli was uh my GA and he ran scout team defense when I was at UNC. And I got in trouble, you know, yada yada yada. I skipped class a bunch of times. Yada yada yada. They punished me by putting me on scout team offense and I I had one day of scout team offense, and I looked at Nick Shirelli, and I said, hey, man, you got to get me back on that offensive field because this <laughs> defensive field is a nightmare. I don't and enjoy I don't, this one bit. I don't want to die down here. <laughs> like, Message literally, Steve, get me out of here. They literally, they called, bro, they, they had me run a slant. Oh, Felder. <laughs> they had me run a slant. And the first time I ran it, I caught the ball, kept it going, and they were like, okay, bingo, 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 run it back, run it back. And I was like, 
but they know the place coming. But they so never they're, know. Just, <laughs> they're just gonna hit me. I joke like, on the scout team players a lot. Shout out to JJ Watt. Um, but that job sucks. Yeah, it's a nightmare. That job is miserable. <laughs> and most of, even if you got to play eventually, most of us did that job for your freshman or redshirt yeah. freshman year. That job sucks. They're like, Damn. oh, he scored a touchdown on the play before it, so I'll just look for what he did the last time and then hit him. You're really get... back. What I want you to do is really press him here. You want to separate the man and the ball the second it arrives. Probably run that slant again. No. I ran the slant again, and I didn't even look for the ball. I was just looking at the linebacker yeah, that was going to kill me, and the ball hit me in the side of the head. Of course. Why would you? Because it's twofold. One, you're teaching, obviously, the content of things you see on the field. But two, you're teaching your demons to be confident in their emotions. And that confidence has to come at the expense of someone. Yeah, not me, which is why I begged Shirley to get me back on that field. And I said, I'll be the best scout team defensive player you've ever had. And I was oh the captain God. of the scout team that year because I was like, no, 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 man. I'm teaching not everybody. Back. I can't play. go back. I'm not going back down there. Are you kidding me? These people are lunatics. They want me to fight every single play? That's dumb. Felder, will you please tell everyone where they can find more of your wonderfulness? The fact that I've got everyone's favorite tweeters, favorite tweeter on this podcast talking Georgia football and hurting me with memories of Georgia meltdown past. <sighs> Welcome back to UD Pod, truly. Felder, I mean, just to be fair, Georgia did kick off a dynasty. I'm not talking to you anymore. 2008, the blackout game. I mean, that was a game. Like, they got Mark Rick. It ended up getting Mark Rick fired ultimately. And then, obviously, then he destroyed Miami's program. And we'll see what happens with them. Like, the the ripple effect of that 2008 Alabama-Georgia game, goodness. It wasn't 08, was it? I thought it was uh, oh, right, it wasn't 08. It was 08. I, I didn't remember what house I was living when it happened. Um, yeah. Because I told the story before. The short version of it is I had people at my house, including my brother and lots of friends. We were watching that game. The first quarter ended, I took everybody out of my house. <laughs> Y'all got to go. What? Get out of my house. It's just a game. No, this is bad. <laughs> no, this, I was like, this is going to get way worse. This is, this is just the beginning. Get out of my house. Well, that's the same as when it was in 08 as well when Clemson played um, Alabama to start the season. And Jamie Harper fumbled on the first play. And yep. then they were like, oh, I guess we're about to beat that ass. Yep. That's All right. Never, uh, so if folks want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at in the bleachers. You can find everything that I do um, on watchstadium.com. I'm doing college, uh, or excuse me, campus insiders on Wednesday night. So wherever you find stadium, you'll find, be able to find me there. And then of course, I, the reason I said college back then is because I'm doing college kickoff live on Saturday, the lead into your conference USA games, which is going to be fun. Like I get a chance to go in studio, going to talk with like Max Stark and AJ Hawk and Max Brown and a couple other people about, uh, you know, just talking ball with my guy, Camp Smith, uh, pre going into the campus, uh, the, the conference USA game. Um, and then special project, you got to check it out. If you listen, if you, like D Palm, you got to check him out talking about offensive line play on Tape Don't Lie, the podcast. You can find it wherever you find your podcast. It's really cool. Like just two guys who love football talking about actual football. And it's really it's a cool project to get to work on. Um, we've got that. We've got Jordan Reed on there. We have Max Brown coming up in a week and we got Roddy Jones. I didn't tell you this. Roddy Jones and I talked. I had Roddy on. Deep home, I had him on. We we're going to talk about um, zone runs and talk about aiming points for inside zone versus stretch versus outside and the whole deal. And we ended up just talking about inside zone for like 35 minutes. Hmm. Like just only inside zone for 35 minutes. And he was like, yeah, this is great. And what I don't think a lot of people realize when you watch these shows on ESPN and would you see Skip or even when you see even guys like like Shannon Sharp, like like honestly, like I would the one of my dream guests is Shannon Sharp just talking about like tight end releases. Yeah, yeah. When like you, instead you can of pick that guy's brain about actual football. Exactly, and I don't think a lot of people who are fans of football realize that. Yeah, we talk about all this other bullshit because we have to, but the reality of it is, if you could just get us to talk ball, 
oh baby there's a there's a wealth of knowledge there that are things that people don't think about i um the tweet should go up tomorrow morning uh talking to jordan reed who's a former quarterback at uh, north carolina central and i stopped him i called the timeout like i called on you a couple times i stopped called the timeout in the middle of the show because he was doing the same push pull movement with his fists that you were doing when we were talking about safeties. <laughs> and I had the producer come on and I was like, has everyone done that? And she goes, every person who has mentioned safeties talks about the push pull of safeties. <laughs> and that's just what the show is. Like the goal is to build a smarter football fan. And you know, this about me and I hope folks realize this when they listen to this show, I want to build a smarter football fan, but I also want to do a show that football players want to listen to enjoy listening to and that rings true with with football players so that goes a long way and um yeah that's it you can you oh and by the way also hand in the dirt d palm's going to be on hand in the dirt again soon which will be fantastic i'm not hand the highlight the, susan is you know that hand in the dirt uh garden podcast about football i did convince his wife to get a chainsaw oh those gloves you uh recommended on the list they arrived uh thursday the rose gloves yeah they're, they're, I'm telling you, you're going to love their goatskin gauntlets. She is, she, I, I meant to take her, I'm going to take a picture and send it to you, but she's very excited about them. Dude, there we go, baby. Look at that. So we got a product doc for um, your gardening, lifestyle, uh, home, the whole deal. Oh, and by the way, my man, uh, the Bose speaker that I bought for outdoor movie night was a massive hit in the neighborhood. <laughs> massive hit they're like this is loud i was like oh it's only at 45 percent. i can make it so much louder <laughs> it can be so much louder yeah. they say it's a compliment you you say it back to them as a threat i love it i'm like don't worry because i can blow your ears out with this bad boy <laughs> but no Guys, thanks go find Felder everywhere dude this is so much fun well obviously we're talking about hands in the dirt uh, Tate, don't lie. And UD Pod is back at full strength. There we go. We'll be back next, I guess, tomorrow with more Podcast Week. That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys tomorrow.